0: My friends Mitch and Lily from ImagineeringDisney.com join me for a discussion about some of our favorite Disney movies on this Disney 100 special of the Movies Past and Present podcast. Hello and welcome to the Movies Past and Present podcast. It's November 8th, 2023, and this is episode 115, I'm your host, Stanford Clark, and I'm podcasting from the crossroads of the West in beautiful Salt Lake City, Utah. Just on my website, moviespastandpresent.com, I'll be providing recommendations, commentary, and reviews about current and classic cinema. Thanks for tuning in, and let's do this thing. We've got a big of a mega episode today. I'm joined by my good friends Mitch and Lily from ImagineeringDisney.com. They uh, both are great friends and great uh, Disney fans and very knowledgeable Disney fans. So uh, they were just so kind to join me to discuss some of our personal favorites from the Walt Disney Studios. Uh, I gave them a challenge, I guess, for all three of us, a challenge to pick three uh, personal favorites. And these films aren't necessarily, you know, necessarily the best films or most award-winning or whatever, but there are just three films that mean uh, a lot to each of us. So uh, anyway, we've got a lot of movies uh, to discuss, and and uh, again, so appreciative of Mitch and Lily uh, joining me for this conversation. Well, I'm so excited to have my great friends Mitch and Lily from ImaginaryDisney.com with me again. Hi. Hi, Mitch. Hi, Lily. How are you? We're doing doing well.
1: great. Very excited to be here.
0: Yeah, thank you, Stan. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. And uh, here we are. It's, you know, the year's almost up, but we're, we're going to do another Disney 100 episode. And and I just couldn't do a Disney 100 episode <laughs> without YouTube. So I'm so glad we were able to do this, even though it's, you know, kind of near near the end of the year. But hey. Well, thanks for having us. Better late than never. Well, thank you so much. for so, Thank you so much for being here. So, well, what the three of us talked about doing was was talking about like kind of our, our top three favorite Disney films, and it's hard to pick, and there are probably more, but we narrowed it down to three each, <laughs> and so uh, we're going to be talking about uh, I think some great some great Disney films, and I really look forward to you know hearing hearing your picks and 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 why you picked them. So, Lily, why don't we start with with, with you? What is you know, and, and not and, and I don't think these th- three picks that we picked are necessarily ranked,
2: yeah, right? Yeah, 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 It's oh, just right. like no, three no, of our no,
0: favorites. Be so we'll just start hard to beat, with, actually. with you, Lily. And what was, you know, what's your, what, one of your uh, top three picks of, of, of Disney movies that you love?
1: Well, so here was interesting about this as a process, because I mean, of course I have opinions about what are the greatest Disney films of all time. Um, and there's so many arguments to be made there about which is the best film that, you know, Disney has ever made. Um, but when I started seeing your guys's picks, I was like, you know, I started seeing like, what are the films that I feel that are personal for me that feel yes. yep. nostalgic for me, you know, instead of like necessarily like the best animation or the best storyliner, you know, whatever. Um, and so Uh, That's how I ended up choosing the three that I went with. So the first one is Alice in Wonderland. Um, Obviously, the original Alice in Wonderland. Uh, What?
3: Not the... (laughs) Not the... uh
1: No. Not uh, Johnny
3: Depp? uh No, Johnny
1: Depp for me. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, We're talking 1951. We're
3: talking
1: 1951. Catherine Beaumont, Edwin. Um, I love this film. Um, I think that it's one of the more unique uh, Disney films. Of course, Walt loved Alice. He loved the story of Wallace of Alice. It, it's one of the things that he played around with when he was trying to figure out animation and right. live action together. And so there feels like there's pre like,
3: Mickey Mouse.
1: Yes, and it, so it feels like there's that piece of history in it for me, but. Um, I also just love it as a film. It's one of those that I just imagined myself as Alice hundreds of times when I was playing as a child. I um, probably sat in a field of flowers and, you know, sang that song that she sings a million times. Um, I had a little cat when I was growing up. And so there's just so many things that I felt such a kinship towards Alice. I also loved the book. I read the book, um, both Alice in Wonderland and through the looking glass, uh, probably, you know, multiple times as a child. And so I was just in love with this story. Um, I also feel like it's unique in how many short songs that it has and how many interesting storylines that have been weaved together in the, in the story. And so, um, I also love the script. I think that it's one of the most clever scripts and my sister and I quote this movie all the time.
3: <laughs> it's so it's so zany, right? It's wacky kind of fun. Yes, and-
1: you know that whole scene, you know, uh, if you really want to know, he went that way, which way? That, you know, who did the white rabbit? I mean, we know that whole scene word for word and we repeat it all the time. Um so I just think it has great characters, even just like the little scenes, you know, like making fun of the caucus races and you're like all of the little things that they slide in there. I just think it's so clever. I think it's fun. I think it's timeless. Um,
3: Not to mention the voices. I mean, the voice acting is.
1: They're great. They're so great.
3: Sterling Holloway, Edwin. I mean, like you said, Catherine Beaumont, really good cast.
1: Yes. Yeah. And, And I thought that they did a really good job of taking, you know, the very interesting parts of the book, like the Jabberwocky poem, which is so famous from Lewis Carroll, and turning that into like the Cheshire Cat's song, like I just there's so many things about oh, it that yeah, I think yeah. are so interesting and and just really well done.
3: You know, for me, uh, this is kind of nerdy, but the color palette on the on this film is unmatched. It is it's very colorful, but not like in a in a irresponsible way. They were very deliberate in their color. And so each scene you, you, notice, you notice that the characters have their own color palette and the background has their own kind of design and that kind of Mary Blair style. It's got yes. such a, a, a visual appeal. And as a as kind of a nerd of animation, the animation mixed with that, mixed with the voice acting, mixed with the music, it's really quite a, a phenomenal film.
0: You know, yeah. I'm with you both. It's a it's a visual delight. Um, the story or kind of... The, the weirdness of the story isn't necessarily my favorite, but it's overtaken by how just how fantastic the animation is, how clever everything is. It's I, I, the, the the mad tea party sequence. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's brilliant. You know, I, I just I never get tired of it. The whole on birthday song and uh just how, how, how fun that is, how colorful that Mary Blair and influence on it. And just, I don't know. I just, I just feel like the, the, the 50s you know between uh you know cinderella and kind of sleeping beauty i just don't know how you beat the animation that was that disney was creating oh
3: yeah during that time period waltz night old men are working on these yeah yeah they haven't um devoted too much of their efforts to the theme parks yet i mean they're that's like in the process but um and speaking of theme parks, one of my favorite attractions at Disneyland is the Alice in Wonderland yeah, exactly ride. Yeah. And then right outside of that, you've got the the Mad Tea Party, yeah, tea party. the teacups. And um, that attraction, and it's one that gets better and better, I think, with time. I mean, they update it in the right ways. Mm-hmm. And man, just that it, it's kind of a perfect film for a dark ride. Like it, it sets the stage so perfectly. How can you not have a dark ride of Alice in Wonderland? And it's a shame that the other parks don't do that, but- uh, luckily, Disneyland still has theirs.
0: Yeah, they really aced the it. dark
3: ride, didn't they? For for, for, for I think for
0: Alice Wonderland, like, because it re- you really feel like you're in the film. I think yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And they, and also the story works great for it. I you know, they, you know the whole thing. I, I love. It. I, I my only the only sadness I have in it's minor, but. I, I still wish that that OSHA would have let them keep.
1: The outdoor, the, I was going to say the same thing. Yes. <laughs>
0: the descent didn't they get? They got they changed it. They made it. It's like less noticeable. I think I, that, that I, the track is the same, but yeah, they like built these little barriers, you know, all the way around it, so you don't. Or did they? Or did they completely redo it? Because it, they, they built the little walls around it, which yeah, was ridiculous. Yeah, but I think that that was they modified so fun. Space. You kind of felt like you were going to go off the edge.
1: Yeah, it was cool. I mean, look, safety is more important. Oh, it's not. It's it's really not. Come (laughs) on,
3: they wreck a ride. (laughs) A a couple of people fall off and die. That's their own fault. I mean, (laughs) let's. Yeah, come on. But you're Uh, sitting in the caterpillar the the ride vehicle. Oh, the ride know, vehicle. No, this and is about I the film and not the park, I love but... the
1: caterpillar as a character. Just I love I that whole you. scene. It's so great.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, who are you? I mean, it's and, so great.
1: And I love how they I love Alice as she just navigates this crazy world. The and, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: She's like trying to she's trying to find herself and stand up for herself in this with this scene with this caterpillar, but she's also trying to be you know a good girl and recite her poem and you know i mean she's <laughs> such a, a sweet interesting character i especially love this scene where she grows big and she um has the bird's nest in her headband and oh, the yeah. bird is you know calling her a serpent and she's like but i'm not a serpent and she's like oh yeah, yeah <laughs> yes. then what are you you know and she's trying to like negotiate with this bird you know <laughs> and she's just like well, I'm a little girl, but little, it's, it's, you goes, know. She goes along <laughs> I with it,
3: right? You know, <laughs> she's—I love her personality, and I love the <laughs> yeah. design of of Alice, and she, and the fact that she just kind of goes along with the adventures. Like she's a fish out of water, but at the same time, she's like embracing it in in a way that's like it's just really charming, right? I just really like how she interacts with all the things that confront her.
1: Yes, and the, I give myself very good advice. You know, she's, she's tried her <laughs> sincerest efforts this entire movie, and then she just sings this song where she's like, well, I guess I got myself here. You <laughs> know? It's,
2: it's yeah. just great. I love it. Thank you.
3: <laughs>
0: Outstanding. Uh, all right, Mitch.
3: All right. My first film that I chose, and this goes back to my childhood, is 1957's Old Yeller. And uh, Old Yeller, I mean, it's known for its sad ending, of course, but it's really just got a lot of heart. I love it as a small child because it's, you know, it's about this family. It's a period piece. It's 1800s. It's on a farm. Uh, The father leaves at the beginning of the picture to go on a cattle drive with the other men of, of the area. And so left behind for a couple months are the wife, the teenage son, and then the little boy son, the son that's. Uh, what, six, five, six years old. And um, the cast is unbeatable. Um, just, uh, I mean, Tommy Kirk plays Travis. He's uh, in all the Disney films, along with Kevin Car- Car- <clears throat> Corcoran, sorry, uh, who plays Arliss, who's like the little boy. And then uh, Dorothy McGuire plays the mother. Fess Parker plays the father. Um, you see him again at the end of the film. You've got Chuck Connors. You've got Jeff York. You have all these really cool uh, characters. You've got a lot of animals. So basically the story is, and, and we don't need to rehash the whole story, but you've got this this family living in a remote area in Texas, 18-something. Uh, dad's gone. And and we're introduced to Old Yeller, this this dog, right? This yellow-haired, floppy-eared dog who runs through their farm chasing a rabbit, who spooks all the animals, who makes a big mess, big chaos, and so immediately you, we know that old Yeller is, you, you see a little bit of his personality, right? And so uh, immediately uh, Tommy Kirk, who's the, the teenage son, hates him, doesn't want him, wants to shoot him, wants to get him out of there, doesn't want anything to do with this dog. But the younger brother just loves this dog. And I really related to that younger brother when I was a kid. Um, mm-hmm. he He's like catching snakes and and horned toads and fish and all these different things. And then this dog comes into his life and he's just in love with Old Yeller immediately. And so Old Yeller eventually works his way into the hearts of all the family members. And then there's that tragic ending um, where he contracts uh, hydrophobia, the the disease that's kind of going around, something like rabies, and they know they have to, uh, well, shoot him, which is, super sad and super depressing however as a whole the, the story in and, and the film is is just uh, heartwarming it's a classic i i really
0: i really love that you you picked this one Mitch, because I remember seeing it as a child too, and I remember loving it, but then also like dreading it because it's so sad, Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's so heartbreaking when when uh, Old Yeller meets its fate. But but I'm really glad you brought up the cast too because it's a terrific cast, you know, Tommy Kirk and 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 Kevin uh, Corcoran, you know, are these kind of classic Disney yeah. actors, right? They made a bunch of films,
3: right? As and then together was. with Dorothy McGuire, the mother those three are are, uh, in Swiss family Robinson together as mother and two sons. And then they have a father and the other son, but, but yeah, great little trio that we get uh, in this film.
0: Well, and also it was directed by Robert Stevenson who directed Mary Poppins uh, you know, for the studio. Oh yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, some other, the shaggy, uh, I think he directed the shaggy dog. Uh, He directed a bunch of stuff. Uh, for disney, you know in the, in the 60s and 70s right Black right, right. The most, i think the original love bug um
3: anyway really yeah yeah i mean just yeah. it's so, that, that era where they have all these great writers directors uh producers uh, disney really had just kind of the this dream team of of actors and and cast uh, cast members and and, and uh, crew members and it just came together really nicely because of that and and then the the, the book it was also um uh based on this uh, lends to it one thing i wanted to mention was that um old yeller does die they do have to travis does have to shoot him he's tied up spoiler him. alert yes yeah, spoiler alert mm. um the, <laughs> they they put him in the corn crib like a shed out back where they could observe his behavior and if he if he doesn't have any of the symptoms of this thing going around then they'll let him out but he's he really does have all the foaming at the mouth and the and the you know, he's just not himself Poor old yeller is just not himself. And, um, but they do find out that the old yeller has um, fathered a, a litter of puppies and mm-hmm. they get the, the, the pick of the litter. And it's like this little mini old yeller, that's the cutest little puppy in the world. And, and so like his legacy does go on, it does move on. And um, so there, there is kind of a happy ending after the like really sad part. Um, and overall it's just, it warms your heart. It's a very very touching uh, story.
1: Well, and I love, um, so this was the only one of any of your lists that when I saw it, I was like, huh, okay. Like, (laughs) I don't know that I saw that one coming. Uh (laughs) Um, So I actually rewatched it because I was like, okay, I've never actually watched it as an adult. I I I only remember as a child. Yeah, I mean, it's just this great story about a dog, and then he dies in the end, and it's so sad. <laughs> it's so sad. Um And so I actually watched it with my new puppy, my Aww. golden Aww. retriever. It was very cute, uh, by the way. He actually watched so it. Yeah, he cute. was. He was worried <laughs> um, at the hog part. Um, your, your,
3: your little puppy didn't question my. Uh my choice.
1: Oh no. He, he, <laughs> he, knew. he knew. So you
3: watched it as an adult after a long time not yes, watching it. What did what did you think? What did you I think?
1: Of, of course the story about this dog and of course the dog does everything and he's amazing and he saves them from the bear and the hogs and all the things and the wolf at the end. Um yep. but what I what kind of like snuck up on me was Travis's like journey into manhood. Yep. I thought that that was yep. a really a sweet storyline where, and actually for the time, especially. I mean, of course, there is you know uh, many things that you know anyone could argue about in terms of gender roles and all those things. But you know, yeah, especially for the, the time, 50s. yeah. As to, um, I did. I actually didn't feel like it was overly that way, where Travis was allowed to be scared. And still say, yeah, like that does scare me a little bit, but like, I'm going to do it, you know, and and he, him sort of coming into his own to the point where he makes the decision even to uh, be the person to kill old Yeller and to be able to like, help him move past this sickness yeah. and take ownership him. of the
3: situation. Yeah.
1: And I love when his dad comes back, and he kind of says it and he's like, ah, forget about it, you know, and. And Travis is like, I don't think I can do that. And and I love that the dad restates and says, you know, maybe that's not what I mean. But what I mean is like, maybe there's bad things and there's good things. And, you know, maybe we can look for the things that replace the bad, which I just thought was a great mm-hmm. message, you know? And yeah. that's the thing that kind of turns him back to little yeller. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, I just thought it was a, uh, a Swede story of, of him sort of finding himself and this dog being the thing that helps him do that.
3: Yeah, it, it really is. And, and you can take a lot out of, uh, away from that. Definitely. Um, the, I think each character has their own little, um, uh, journey and all the other plays a part in all of their, uh, little, uh, journeys. Um, the mm-hmm. mother, you mentioned, um, uh, the mother, mother is a great character. She's strong. She's not helpless. She's very, uh, capable. Um, she's she doesn't want her husband to go, but she makes the best of it. And and you can tell she's been a great uh, mother to these to these boys, and uh, and is really fair with them. Um, you've got a couple of other characters that come in along the way. One of my favorite scenes as a kid, and even now, is when um, uh, Chuck Connors comes in, and he's like this uh, typical like manly cowboy guy, and it turns out he's the owner of Old Yeller. He's like the rightful owner, and this. Uh, thieving dog who's been uh, kind of escaping and, and stealing, you know, eggs from houses and stuff. This this guy immediately, you know, he wants the Old Yeller back, and he immediately knows it's his dog, and they recognize each other. And um, the family doesn't want to give up Old Yeller, but they know they need to because this is um, uh, Burn Sanderson, or Chuck Connors uh, plays Burn Sanderson. Uh, this is his dog, and he's about ready to leave, and the younger brother. Um, Kevin Corcoran, he starts throwing a fit and he starts throwing rocks and just like, just loses his mind because you can't steal my dog. Don't take my dog. That's my dog. And, and the, the charming interaction that they have between uh, Chuck Connors and and Kevin Corcoran is, Hey, um, and I'm not going to quote it perfectly, but it's basically like, um, you know, I see that horn toad in your pocket. That's, I've never seen a finer one. What if we made a trade? What if we talk about trading? But hey, this isn't a fair trade because that dog is a lot bigger than this little horn toad. And uh, he says, "Do you think you can convince your 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 mother to cook me a, a home cooked meal? I haven't had one in a long time." And uh, you know, little little Arlis turns around and says, "Will you feed him, Mama?" And she <laughs> says, "Of course I will." And so, uh, really, yeah, Chuck Hunter's character does not have. To, I mean, this is. Not in his best interest to give up this dog, but he sees that the, the family needs the dog. The dog is a big benefit and they see, he sees that, that emotional attachment that they have to the dog. So there, there are a lot of little tiny moments like that are just, that are just uh, really uh, charming and just like rewatchable. something I could watch over and over again. And I did as a kid. That was one of our few VHS tapes back in the early 80s when, yeah. when VH te- VHS technology was new and the, the tapes were sparse and the, the, there weren't a lot of, I mean, we recorded this stuff off of TV half the time. And, um, it, and so you'd have to watch the same movie over and over again um, during the, in that time period because there wasn't anything on demand and there weren't that many channels on TV. And so it's something that we rewatched repeatedly. In fact, all three of my films that I chose are like that. They fit that category.
0: You know, I don't wish to get too preachy on this, but I, one of the things that I actually admire about O'Dealer, I kind of feel the same way like with Bambi, in that, you know, everybody, myself included, remembers the very traumatic event that happened yeah. in the film. But it's this really, you know, this cult coming of age story arc, I think is important. And, and not wanting to put thoughts into Walt Disney's head, but I kind of feel like that was something that seemed like it was an important theme. To him, that he'd be willing to make a film about this, and even though it presents something that's really hard, it's life, you know, as we yeah, all can attest exactly. to. And you know, you know, from from our more adult perspective, but uh, our vantage point. But anyway, I that's something that I appreciated about the film as an adult that I that I did, and I'm so glad, also Mitch, that you brought up the puppy at the end <laughs> because that's hopeful, you know, and, and also like real life, you know, that, 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 that's yeah. part of yeah uh, what goes on. So. And, and one, one,
3: one quick thing before we go to the next uh, movie is that, um, a uh, memory of mine. Uh, I grew up in central California and not far from where we lived. Um, Fess Parker had his,
2: oh, his, like, his... Uh,
3: winery there.
2: Yes. And,
3: um, so he lived there for like throughout my life until he passed. And my father, my father's office was really close to, um, where Fess Parker lived and Fess Parker would go to this, uh, one little restaurant, um, quite often for lunch. And so when we would go to my dad's office, like we go to work with him, he would take us to that restaurant so that we might be able to see Fess Parker. And, and we would hmm. often be at the table and very right next to him in this little restaurant. And we would always just kind of stare at him. Oh, that's the dad from old Yeller. That's, <laughs> <you> know, that's <laughs> David Crockett. Um, that's I love it. And so, um, uh, I don't know. It's just it's it's meaningful to me for a lot of different reasons. But at the end of the day, it's just something I like enjoy watching. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a great pick, Mitch. Great, great film,
0: and again, just from a great era. I think of you know Disney filmmaking too. Right, right. Uh, so my first pick is uh, Beauty and the Beast, the nineteen ninety one animated Ooh, film. Yes, and it's it's definitely at the top of my list of you know films from from uh disney feature animation or you know Walt Disney animation studios that's that i love uh and i've seen it a bazillion times and i'll probably see the bazillion times more you know i just i just think it's uh you know again thank goodness that disney animation got revived right yeah Uh, yeah at at that at that time period and and uh it's just, it's just, a, 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 I think it's just a perfect film. It's, it's such a beautiful retelling of it. Uh, I think it, it's timeless. The animation's great. Voice talent's great. Uh, and, and, uh, I, you know, I, I never tire of it. And also, I, I think I happen to know somebody who's a friend of
1: Belle. Uh, (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well said, Stan. Well said.
3: What he means is Lily was Belle at Walt Disney World. Now, we don't say friends with Belle because that's confusing and misleading.
1: She was Belle. She
3: played Belle. She portrayed Belle.
1: Stan understands these things, Mitch. He understands magic. The
3: magic. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, she put on the Belle costume, the wig, and everything else, <laughs> and, and, and spoke as if she was Belle and, and, and performed and sang and met children
1: killer. as Belle. I wonder you've ever worked at the parks. <laughs> you don't understand. I'm (laughs) what was it like
0: to be friends with Belle Lily
1: (laughs) amazing I mean (laughs) Belle is a great character right I mean she's she's kind of the quintessential she's a princess but she's thoughtful but she's smart she doesn't uh, you know Gaston's antics doesn't get by her for a second she's supportive of her dad she you know comes into this uh, Castle where she's very willing to like hold her own, and yet you know she has her own softness as well. I mean, she's she's just got a really wide range. So, uh, yeah, she's she's a fun character to be friends with.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think this movie, you know, again, as I said, I pretty much love everything about it. But thematically, it really is, I think it, re- it resonates that whole, uh, uh you know, initially or falling in love with someone, you know, who, who they really are rather than how they look and, mm. uh, just how, uh, ultimately how romantic and wonderful, you know, wonderful it is, um. And I always get choked up at the end when the last pedal drops, and you know <laughs> yeah. she yeah. says, "I love you," and, and that whole transformation scene. I think is just kind of truly Disney magic, you know.
3: At it, its, you uh, mentioned, Stan yeah. kind of the perfect animated film, and it—I think it really is. I mean, it's yes. it's quite flawless, I would say, and it's yeah. it, which is which is almost shocking considering the time that it was made. I mean, it was it was followed. I'm sorry. It had followed a a period of films that were struggling in an animation department that struggled since Walt's death some 15 years earlier and, um, or, or more 25 years earlier or whatever. And, um, but they, they got the, they, they started to get the groove back. They started to make, and if you've ever seen the, the, the movie, um, waking sleeping. Oh yeah. That is, if you like, if you like little mermaid, which you should, of course, and <sighs> Beauty and the Beast, which you should because they're both fantastic uh, and, you, and, and Aladdin and everything. Watch um, Waking Sleeping Beauty because yeah, it's a documentary the of that time period where they're making these films and they're bringing um, animation back, right, in, in this amazing way.
1: Well, and do you remember the ballroom scene just being... Oh, yeah. I oh. mean, that was animation Definitely. like we had never seen it before. It was yeah. Like just the, the 360 feeling of you know them walking into that ballroom and you know the new technology and everything it it was just so cool it was just i remember you know even as a kid seeing that and just being like wow this looks well they
3: use a little bit of computer animation um but it doesn't you can't really it doesn't look like computer animation it looks like kind of hand-drawn traditional animation but aided by computers who can like the chandelier and just the yes. camera movements and everything. Yeah. Um, yes. Just really pretty. They also referenced Sleeping Beauty, I believe when they did the dancing. Yes.
0: Final sequence, right. It seems like. It's, yeah. Yeah, uh,
3: yeah. Some reused animation there, but in a good way and not in a bad way at all. And just a, a smart way. Um, but yeah, the, the film had the, the complete package in, in terms of uh, acting and visuals and animation, uh, background design, beautiful. Um, the, the music just unreal. Yeah, you know, a shout out to Alan
0: Mencken and to Howard Ashman. Yes. Uh and in fact, if I'm not mistaken, Howard Ashman died just before the release of Right, Reading The Beast, and it's dedicated to him. Uh and they brought such a fresh sensibility cuz that's what I think what really made The Little Mermaid shine too
3: mm-hmm. was their their incredibly clever um songs. Yeah, and they were this duo from uh, Broadway or off-Broadway, right? Yeah. They had, they were brought in by Michael Eisner and, and others and really kind of uh brought life back into the animation program which was much uh well, it was much needed and it was needed. It, yeah, it was a really great. What do they call it the the second golden age the Disney? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like you know, all it's these got a few games, games I guess. Games, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then they went through another slump after that which is sad but but for that for those few few years we had some really great films
0: yeah they did i mean you know starting with the little mermaid i mean what a string you know uh all the way i think really think up through kind of mulan or tarzan you know um yeah yeah
1: but beauty and the beast in particular i mean there's a reason it was a very um well performing broadway musical um probably one of the better live action remakes in fact. Of the live action remakes, I feel like that was the one where they basically didn't change anything because it even you know, frame for frame in some cases, it's like, well,
3: they can it was already good. Yeah. So there
1: was there was a few questions that went unanswered, like how did she get Beast back on that horse that the live action like <laughs> answered? Okay. Why is it winter for some reason? Okay, they answered those questions, but like, other than really? that, you know. Like, how
3: did how did she get him on the horse?
1: She, um, Magic. they actually show her like getting him on her shoulder and like oh. putting him on the horse or something like that.
0: I don't remember yeah, that. Like, complete the scene with that. My only gripe with the, with the, or one of my main gripes is about the live action, even though, you know, that it was made the first place, that's first gripe number one. But, um, <laughs> but the, I think Emma Watson is, is darling and a great actress, but I wish they had, I wish they had hired someone who could sing. Like, Lily? Emma Watson's auto-tune, like, ticks me off. Like, (laughs) (laughs) But that's, I digress.
1: I actually agree with that. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, she wasn't the right, probably that wasn't the right fit for it. And she had quite a few opinions about Disney princesses that some of that stuff. Oh, yeah. I I have a hard time with because, um, you know. I have a hard time with people who like bash Disney, but then they're like in Disney films. And like, what? yeah. What's what's going on? We can on bash with that? Disney,
0: <laughs> not you. There's all that uproar, yeah. you know, with Rachel Zegler's. You know, stuff. have you oh, seen Snow some White, yeah. comments about Snow White? Yeah, same thing.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. Don't bite yeah. the hand that feeds you, kind of thing.
1: <laughs> oh, I know.
0: And rip on, rip on the OG, you know, or the, you know, the, uh-huh. or the, and sure. It's a product of her time, you know, or the film's a product of its time. but anyway.
3: Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. One thing that I uh, always remember about Beauty and the Beast was, do you remember the old animation tour at Disney MGM Studios? Oh, in yeah. I remember. It oh, that was the best thing ever. The, I went through the, you go, back in the day, you go through the tour and you would look down through glass windows into like, what looked like a bunch of animators. Yeah. and And I know some of that was kind of faked a little bit, but. Um it gave the illusion that they were producing films. In that building, they actually did produce um entire films. Like Mulan was like the first one they built completely in that building, I believe. Anyway, but they worked on all these other previous films um partially. They would like get some of the some of the scenes and stuff were sent to Florida from California. Anyway, I remember looking down into this the first time I'm at Disney MGM Studios, it was pretty new. Looking down, and there's this guy painting background art, big wide pieces of paper and he's hand painting. And I said, that looks like a library, little books that he was painting by oh hand. My goodness. And it was unreal. I mean, I just could not, I, I didn't want to leave as a little boy looking down saying, this is going to be in a film. And lo and behold, a few months later, when the, when the film released, I was watching it for that scene and there it was. And it was yeah, just, it was. it's just that amazing little connection. Now it's what a bathroom or something. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's a bathroom.
0: And like, storage whatever they is, use yeah. that building for yeah yeah sure. and i guess there's like a star wars area too like star wars meet and greet and part of where that where that tour was Isn't sure why like...
3: not i mean just do whatever <laughs> it's a sacred hallowed ground that made all sorts of <laughs> yeah, yeah i got yeah, trained yeah. i i worked for the uh, department that was in that building and we worked in there for i worked in there for a while and it was we we like worked on the old animation desks um we were doing drawings and stuff and um, the old animation library was left behind for us, for this Disney design group I worked for. And the I remember, like, the desk that I was drawing on had, like, little um, – kind of, like, it was a little bit messed up with paint. Like, paint had overspilled, and you could see brush strokes and stuff from, like, the edge of the paper. Knowing that that, that table and those, you know, the supplies that we had in our little library – contributed to all these different films. It was just very, very important. And next thing you know, management says, oh, we want this space. And they just cleared it all out, gutted it, and kind of moved in as a, a typical office building, which was so sad because it was such a an important uh, extension of the, the Disney feature animation studios in, in oh, California. Yeah, that mm-hmm. creative space and, yeah, history. Uh. All
0: the it's so cool. you got to be in there,
1: though, Mitch. It that that?
3: is cool. And then they had animation desks still in there yeah i went on a tour of it one time like when i first started at disney and then um a couple years later i applied for a job for that for the the disney design group that was in there and and i was very pleased and shocked to get the job and then the the training process was um uh, a a few weeks in the building on on that on that equipment and then we had full access to that uh, library the animation library reference library where they had all the maquettes, all the little um you know, little sculptures, oh, yeah. and all this stuff that animation had left behind when they shut down the animation department um a couple of years earlier. Um but all the hallways had like the cool pictures and the original artwork and and just it was just really kind of the leftover animation program that was handed over to Disney Design Group, who was responsible for designing character um artwork for merchandise and parks and, and other things. Similar, but they weren't doing films. Okay.
0: What I want to know is, Mitch, was there any art from Lilo and Stitch? Did you have? Was there some <laughs> Stitch? Was there some stitch stuff. There
3: was Stitch stuff. I'm sure. Like everywhere. Uh, not, not too much. They okay. that was all reserved for Tomorrowland because.
0: <laughs>
2: why,
3: like why? Why have a good Tomorrowland when you can just cover it in, in Stitch? Well, because I think wasn't Lilo and Stitch a film that was also mostly yeah. uh-huh. made
0: there at the Flora Studio? Yeah, anyway, sorry, that's, yeah. that's just me being a jerk. <laughs> uh, We're right there with you, Stitch. <laughs> All right, Lily, we are we are back to you. What is your next pick?
1: Um, okay, my next pick is The Rocketeer. Um, which I also just rewatched again because I do love that movie. And even watching it recently, I am like, yes, this movie still holds up for me. It is so cheesy and is so far fetched and all of the things. And also I love it. I just think it's such a great movie. It's first of all, I love Jennifer Conley. If I could have anyone's career, it would be hers. (laughs) Um, All of it, everything um, labyrinth. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. even the Hulk, I would even do the Hulk. You know oh, I mean?
2: yeah.
1: Anyways, um, <laughs> I, I think that that, I think that the, you know, just the idea of, you know, this great relationship, boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, they're, they're trying to help each other, but they also kind of, um, don't understand each other sometimes. And, miss the mark sometimes, but they really do care about each other. So there's, their story is kind of navigating through this story of this rocket and how they happen upon it and all the different groups that get involved and, you know, the the actor and the mobsters. And, you know, I just, I think it's great. And it's and it's good guys against Nazis. Like, who doesn't hate Nazis? Like, they're the, the, the bad guy. You know, the the end where, you know, it's, uh, you know, this cheesy a shot of him firing the rocket off in front of a American flag while he flies up <laughs> to go fight the Nazis in the end. Like I don't know, I just yeah. think that the whole thing is is really great. Um, you know, it's an American story. It's a um, superhero story. It's a love story. It's a comic
3: uh, book story. It's but a
1: comic book story. It's yes. It's too all comic the booky. Yeah. Um. So I just I feel like it's pretty timeless and. I, you know, again, you know, kind of having grown up with uh, with that film, you know, I imagined myself uh, as Jennifer Connelly and also that restaurant, you know, I've dreamed about like someday I'm going to open a restaurant. (laughs) Seriously. You know.
0: That nightclub kind of, yeah.
1: Yes. With the jazz singer and, and the whole thing. Yeah. I, yeah. I just love it. So I just think it's classic. I think it's timeless. Every time someone makes a we actually one of our uh mutual friends just made a Rocketeer costume. Um really? That they post on Facebook. Um Yeah, why cool. uh the, who went to Pixar with us? Jason? Oh
3: yeah. Oh so cool, yeah.
1: Yes, you have to look it up on Facebook. It's very good. So you know, every time I see one, it just makes me happy because I'm like, there's someone out there who loved this movie as much (laughs) as I would take the time to like make a costume.
3: And it's it's an obscure costume because a lot of people don't even recognize what it is. But everybody who knows Rocketeer loves Rocketeer, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like if you know, you're gonna get like no response from everybody, and then all of a sudden somebody's gonna recognize you and go, "Whoa, that is a great costume!" Like I'm sure that's gonna be his experience, right? Or was his experience? Totally. This so, is such a great pick, Lily. i oh, go ahead. Sorry, Mitch. Go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead, Stan. I just had a little story, but... Um, no, uh, please. You After taking? you. So, uh, rewind to 1989, 1990. I'm in elementary school, and this uh, article in the newspaper, my dad pulls out, he he shows us, hey, uh, they're looking for extras for a new Disney production going to be filmed in our town, and it says that uh, they're looking for children. Uh, they'll have to miss up up to two weeks of school to be extras in this new Disney picture that i'm I'm sure i've told you guys this story no i don't know um, this story and so we begged and begged and begged and my parents said no we're not going to miss any school and uh, we went to school and all the other kids had begged their parents and word got around that they're going to be looking for uh kids to be extras and uh pretty much all the kids parents said no way we're not going to let you miss school at all but a couple of the kids at school um their parents did let them do it Turns out it was the Rocketeer being filmed uh, 1.9 miles away from our elementary school. No.
2: Oh, wow.
3: Amazing. So, I've
2: amazing.
3: never told you this?
2: No, you never so, have.
3: I know the story, Mitch. So I, I looked on the map before, I mean, in preparation for this episode, I was like, how close were we to the, it was the Santa Maria, California airport that filmed the majority of the movie. And um, was that like his home airport, that home, kind of at home base? Yeah. You know where they do the air show and everything? Yeah. Um, yeah. And a lot of that, uh, set work is still there and it's turned into a museum, like his, like his shop, you know, where he's like, oh, wow. where they, where the, um, they find yes. the, the cool. jetpack. That's all still there. And they've turned it into a museum. I've not been to the museum, but I I'd, I'd love to go back. I haven't Field lived trip. there in a while. I know. Right. And, um, so the, some of the kids we can see in the, in the air show audience, like when the, in the bleachers and stuff, uh, kind of waving flags and stuff. And, and wearing the old-timey clothes. Uh, but you won't see me, sadly. And, um, no. when Did I, you really see anybody in, in, in it, Mitch? Yeah, we had, there were, like, kids, like, from our school and school district that were in it. <laughs> not, not, And When I brought it up from my parents, like, not too long ago, they, were, they had zero sympathy. <laughs> like, oh, wow, kind of missed school. I'm like, come on, what would I have remembered from those two weeks of school? but i could have i could have like a part in this film
1: timeless yeah absolutely
3: now the only like kind of okay thing that happened out of all this it's very heartbreaking still of course but i am i've emotionally i i'm emotionally damaged however i do i do remember when they were filming all the um cool old airplanes um for specifically the um the air show we, they, f- they would fly over our school, like the playground. It would it was close enough that they were circling around our neighborhood um, multiple times for multiple days. So we would stand there and look up and see these cool old planes, um, but we couldn't, uh, you know, we didn't get on set in or anything, on set or anything. Uh, and then one last thing uh, the some people, um, some friends of ours that lived kind of the next neighborhood over um, and who we, we uh, spent a lot of time with they told us that the like, there's a scene where they're like, like driving fast through um, these trees, like a forest. That was right next to their house. There's a small patch of, uh, a bunch of eucalyptus trees between the this this family's house and the the airport. And it's not very big. And they said, yeah, you know that the little thing that we'd go play around in and run around in. That's where they filmed a, a couple of the different scenes. So we we got to see and hear a lot of like kind of secondhand experiences of the film, but never never any firsthand experiences sadly um because it is a great film it's a wonderful film and um that's my memory of it yeah that is the best story
0: that's <laughs> <so> amazing <laughs>
2: That
0: is amazing i want to go check that because I, I i figured that it was filmed in somewhere kind of in you know central california you know the, yeah given the just the way you know that that things looked around that
3: airport it's just our small um, town and it had we had a very small so cool. airport and most of the airport was dirt and field and like there was a, my buddy would race go karts on kind of that, that where they filmed it. They'd had like a little dirt track for go karts. And, um, it was just, it was right down the street literally. And, um, and the pain that we felt for knowing that it was being produced that whole summer or that whole like few months, right. We couldn't be a part of it. And you didn't get to
0: be a part of it. I know
3: it's, it's tragic. It is. That is the best story.
0: You know, I, 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 this is such a great pick, Lily. I, there's so much stuff I love about this movie. Pretty much like everything, um, <laughs> you know, directed by Joe Johnson, you know, Joe used to, Joe, uh, was a, an effects person at Lucasfilm, you know, at the beginning of his career, he worked on all three of the original star Wars trilogy films.
1: Oh, interesting. I didn't know that.
0: And, and then he directed a bunch of cool stuff like honey, I shrunk the kids and oh, yeah? Jumanji yeah, and uh you know, Jurassic Park three, but we don't. I don't want to bring that up because <laughs> you know, that was horrible. <laughs> but but uh, Captain America, uh the very first one, Captain America, the first yeah, Avenger. Yeah. Anyway, um, but I digress. He, but I just think he brings. He has this great sensibility, you know, about like vintage stuff because you really feel like you're in that time period. You know, I think it is so oh, effective. Yeah. Howard Hughes and, and all that, yeah. Um. The music yeah. is so great in it. I how Howard Hughes is,
1: yeah, is a character. Ed Wynn is a character. W.C. Fields, I mean. Yes. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. just so cool <laughs> how
0: they, how they interview like, these actual people, you know, yeah. to this fictional story. And, and um, I mean, in our direction, so that costume. I mean, what's cooler than that helmet, you know, and that leather jacket uh, that he's got? I oh, mean, yeah, the design of even the, even the, the rocket pack, yeah. jet pack. Yes. Oh, the,
1: the whole the whole costume is yeah. amazing. Yeah. Well,
0: and right. I even I adore the poster.
1: You know, yes. how it's
3: been? Really, really cool movie poster. Yes. They made for it. Um, it doesn't
1: get it,
0: enough
3: credit to film
0: at all. It no, it's, awesome. it's a great it's a great it's a great pick, Lily. Great pick. Really, really a cool film. Yeah. I recently rewatched it, too. And I just I just kind of fell in love with it all over again. I also love how they filmed it at that. Um, Franklin Wright designed home in Los Angeles yeah, that Anna's yeah. house that's got all the, Love that's, that that's house. where Timothy Dolan's character lives Uh huh. with all those, those cool um, concrete mm-hmm. bricks
1: yes yeah uh, very cool
0: that house is the Enos think, house or the Enos house yeah Enos or Anna's house or however you say it uh, it's currently some it's got a new owner and somebody's like refurbishing it hopefully that he kind of they'll open it up have
3: you know. been to it before
0: or seen it or driven by I it? think I've driven past it maybe you oh, oh, a while back, but I've never been in And and it hasn't been open, you know, it's just yeah, private ownership.
3: And it's just cool that they, they chose that. Like it's, yeah.
2: And they got to film it in there.
3: That, yeah. The Frank Lloyd Wright Aztec sort of old rich man, uh billionaire sort of, uh, it has just this uh, perfect vibe. I think, yeah, yeah. For that time
0: period. And do you think that nightclub, that nightclub was probably just a soundstage, wasn't it? Yeah, that restaurant. Really, yeah, probably. to be real. It's
1: like, someday I'm going to go to the South Seas, and there's going to be a big seashell that is going to open up.
3: And there's going to
1: be <laughs> this amazing jazz singer that's going to walk out.
3: <laughs> and you know played so hey, the? We got to uh, rebuild it. We got to The South Seas uh, singer.
1: Yes. Melora Harden.
3: Yeah. Melora Harden who who we know from you know most recently the office the
0: office but Jane. you know she was a child actor in the North avenue of the Disney, oh, Disney pick she was she was in that yeah huh, I think oh, she wow. was I think she was one of Ed Herman's
3: characters' kids. She was also in uh, the little house in the prairie when she was oh that's a, like, right that's yeah. so
1: interesting I did not know that
3: <laughs> then uh, you've got um what's his name the guy that plays Howard Hughes he's on lost. All right. The character in Lost. What's his name? Yes. That character. Oh, that's good. Overall, it just has a lot of a lot of really great um, actors that played great parts, and it's just a great movie that uh, so many people don't appreciate or even know about. And if they do take the time to watch it, I I think everybody would like it if they just you know sat down and, and paid attention to it. Yeah, that's it, definitely
0: one so. to check out. It. It's on Disney Plus well and also you know shout out to alan arkin who plays uh pv yeah uh, the sidekick to uh cliff slash the rocketeer yeah, billy yeah. King, you know, billy campbell's character alan arkin recently died and that's that was that was a, a right, loss right. in fact tonight as we're recording this they're showing they're doing a tribute to him on turner classic movies although they oh, didn't no make the rocketeer is one of the films like rude oh come on <laughs> well, here's,
1: here's another fun fact since we're full of fun facts today um i actually met paul servino no he's the mobster really? yes he just, he, he just
3: died a few months ago right like he last is, year he seems like he recently died too What did you meet him and where
1: i met him when i worked at walt disney world no. when i was friends with mary poppins <laughs>
3: Oh, when you played Mary Poppins You're friends with everybody. <laughs> he,
1: he came to a restaurant that Mary Poppins was also visiting and um came and took pictures with his family. And he uh Which restaurant? Was, um in Derby? the castle. Oh in the
3: Royal Table or
1: Yes, the Royal Table that's like on the top of uh Cinderella's castle. Uh he was there with his daughter and granddaughter and um Uh, Mira. And uh, I took a picture with Mira and her daughter. And um, he was like, you know, I know Julie Andrews.
3: What? <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> no way. <laughs> it oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. There you go. There's
1: a little fun fact.
3: I love it. <laughs> he oh, didn't want it. a
1: picture with Mary Poppins, just for the record. He did
3: or did not. <laughs> he
1: did not. He did not. <laughs> oh. Your
3: no. Your friend Mary Poppins was probably disappointed. I bet she was sad about that.
1: <laughs> She's cool. Paul can She's do whatever like... he wants. <laughs> for, for those of for
3: those of you confused by Lily's description of that uh, that encounter, it was <laughs> Lily that played Mary Poppins who met Paul Sorvino. It wasn't Lily's friend. There was no friend involved. Uh, <laughs> Lily was there. It makes it you make it sound like you were not even there, but like you were the person that was there meeting this other person. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. My my uh, wife also was friends with uh, characters and and it's just confusing and so I'm always the one having to clarify when <laughs> to like friends with bring yeah, us all to um, earth you have to destroy
1: all the magic. It's fine, uh-huh.
0: <laughs> Mitch. It was um, John Locke is the character yes, from John Lost. Locke. Yeah, yeah. That it's uh like, Quinn. Yeah. Quinn, yeah. Oh, yeah. Terry <laughs> Quinn played. Who's was Howard Hughes in the Rocketeer? Yeah, awesome, so cool. Well, what a great pick! All right, Mitch, what's your uh, what's your next pick?
3: My next one next one is uh, the 1961 classic, The Parent Trap. I love now, that movie. <laughs> that is such an outstanding movie. Oh, so it's been remade in the like what in the 90s. 90s, not, Lindsay Lohan. Right, we're not talking about that one. The original, the only one, in my opinion. Uh, is one of my top. It's in my top five, and has been in my top five favorite films of all time. Not just Disney films of all time. Top three of all time, really, um, for my whole life. Uh, the Parent Trap stars Haley Mills and Haley Mills. Uh-huh. Haley Mills, the actress, uh, portrays two identical twin sisters who are not aware of the other. They were, um, you know, their parents got divorced at a young when when the when the girls were young. Mom took one. Dad took the other, and they never spoke of the twin. And then when they go to, the, to, to girls' camp, like this summer camp, when they're teenagers or like preteens, they run into each other, and they see that they are identical, and they don't like each other. They don't like that they have the same face, and they look the same. They, they feud, they fight, they prank each other. And as their punishment, uh, the, the, the people at the camp – make them live together. They bunk together. They eat together. They have to do everything together. And, um, they end up in the process figuring things out. You know, they have the same birthday. Um, they figure out that they are identical twins and they they, they they decide they're going to get their parents back together because neither one of them has remarried. They're going to, uh, do the ultimate switcheroo. They're going to switch places when the, when summer camp ends and they're going to eventually get mom and dad back together to make the switch, you know, back to normal. And the mom and dad will fall in love together uh, once again, as they see each other for the first time in all these years. Um, And they pull it off beautifully. It's fun, charming, wonderful film, great cast. Another film with a great cast. I think all of our films that we've chosen have really great casts. but Mm -hmm. uh, Brian Keith and Maureen O'Hara, it's, it's uh, Charles Ruggles. It's uh, multiple people who play multiple great roles, great characters. And, um, it's, it's fun and funny. And the backdrop is really great. You've got the first act is at the summer camp and it's, um, you know, at a lake up in the hills, up in the mountains and pine trees and these cool cabin tent sort of things that they live in. And, um, all of their kind of scheming their plans to, uh, to, to, to live in each other's shoes. And then, um, You know, and then they go into each other's lives. One goes to Boston and you see that the the mom and the grandparents living this kind of rich lifestyle and fancy Boston. And then you've got the dad who lives on a ranch in this great ranch house in uh, in California. And it's it's just this, you know, another perfect film that's almost flawless. Agreed.
1: It's great. I also think that it is one of the best opening credits.
3: Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah.
1: I love Can those. Stop openings. motion? Yes. It's yes. So then your family tree is going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> so Sherman Brothers song. Yes. Oh, uh, it's so good. It's so
0: great. You know, the Walt Disney Archives, when I was there on a tour, they had those some of those oh, the dolls
1: oh, they oh, did. That's
0: awesome on display you know from the opening credits which oh, i was that's so cool yeah oh my gosh
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: i'm so glad you brought that up lily because I, I love the opening too it was well, like and, some of the animators uh, were pulled over to do that i believe like some of the like
0: yeah the famous like, animators. justice and some yeah like an some, nco
3: and yeah 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 super cool
0: you know that ranch house brian keith's ranch house mm. I. I think from the, from the first time I saw that film, I always dream. I just like, I wish that was my house. That's like the, it's just like the coolest. Yes, thing. And I don't know if it was a set or what,
3: but I just, you know, I, I've always yeah. loved it. Sadly, it was Come not ahead. real. Um, you would hope that it was somebody's house that they like rented, but it was, uh, it was a set and the out, the exterior was kind of like this uh, Adobe Southwestern kind of unassuming front ranch house style. know with the lake in front of it but then when you go inside it had like cool tile and cool uh materials everywhere and great furniture and like this mid-century modern artwork on the wall and yeah and like one thing i loved about it stan was it had like really cool like stairs and then a little kind of sort of bridge crossing over to another part of the house and that courtyard in the back with the big trees and that cool kitchen and it just was very uh you know it had doors leading to other rooms that were not super usual. Like you wouldn't see that every day. And uh, the, the, the color scheme, everything was really, really just California, 1950s, yep. mid century uh, with kind of like Spanish influence, but masculine, like they even make reference to it. Like, Oh, it's a little masculine, right? You could use a woman's touch um, because <laughs> Brian Keith, that's his home. It's been his home for a long time. And he's just, it's just like this manly man who likes to camp and ride horses and stuff. So,
1: what, yeah, you, what you, Mitch Stan. is not telling you is that he actually has taken screenshots of every oh, yeah. inch of that house and it has figured out how he would recreate it someday so i i feel <laughs> confident that at some point that house will in fact be built uh, as an actual house and mitch will be living in it <laughs>
0: mitch i hope you haven't over for dinner because i like
3: a lot of you're welcome to come over anytime you want my uh, i love my <laughs> house. that we all love that house <laughs> it was tricky though though to kind of like figure out how it all laid out because you'd see like the the, the dad's bathroom and it's which is really cool too and like the girl's room and the like bridge outside that was like open air like but covered and then connect to the patio and the piano and i mean it's like just so many cool things if you haven't seen the film go watch and just pause it when they when they take you around the house um it's fantastic it's unparalleled really and it's not not like fancy which isn't my taste and i think that's why stan you and i really are drawn to it because it's it is it's just something that you'd want to live in it's not yeah yeah, not a museum it's it's very nice but it's not um it's comfortable, right? You'd want to spend your time there. Yeah, uh,
0: and the you know, same as the theme continues. The actors are so great. Uh, yeah, I I love Maureen Harris so much. Yeah, and I mean, I just yeah. I mean, I love her in just so many things, and she's just absolutely fantastic in the in, in yes. this
1: film. I mean, when she like busts out singing, she's like "La di da."
3: song from when they dated. Yeah. Um, And when she
0: finally decides to, you know, kind of not be so conservative or frumpy, you know, and then she just, (laughs) you know, I mean, that green dress is such a knockout that she wear
3: anyway. She's she's fantastic. uh, Charles Ruggles, who plays the father, who's brilliant. Yes, he, he's like, oh, I, I commend star. you, right? I, I don't know what he says. <laughs> like, it's, it's it's courageous of you to you know wear the old style, like, no, well, it's a woman of your age, you know, coming into your yes. <laughs> maturity or whatever. He says, and and yeah. he's like, oh, that's terrible, and he he winks at uh Haley Mills, like, yeah, I got her, I got in her head, she's gonna go look,
1: yes, put on like great you know, character a better
3: hairdo or something, but yeah, I mean, if you watch one thing in, and I and I I. I like this for every film, but like when there are special effect, or I'm sorry, like special bonus features for a film kind of behind the scenes, it's always fun to watch. This film is no exception. And it's, it is something you're going to want to see if you haven't seen before. They show how they do the the twins. They show how they do. That's mostly the, the, the focus of the the kind of the behind the scenes um, mini documentary that they do like on the DVD bonus features they show how they, they use like Walt had all these really cool ways of um, mixing in different techniques. So you don't get used to the same technique. Like on Mary Poppins, we had mm-hmm. um, that discussion on a previous episode, but like the effects in Mary Poppins, you can't just always have, uh, you know, like something hanging from a wire. Cause then it becomes obvious. You got to change it immediately to another sort of effect. Um, and they did the, that with here. They had a body double. So, um, Haley Mills had uh, a body double, a girl named Susan Henning, who was almost identical to Haley Mills in height and build and, and facial structure and everything. Um, you could tell they're not the same, you know, they're not sisters, but for most of the shots you're going to see in camera, both of the actresses, sadly uh, Susan Henning got no credit for it because they wanted to give credit to, they didn't want to like spoil the you know, illusion, so They gave it to Haley Mills for both parts, but Susan Henning and Haley Mills would switch parts every time they wanted to film one of the the, wow. the girls. And yeah. so when you see uh, the side view of one of the girls or the back of her head um, or something where her face is a little obscured, it's generally going to be Susan Henning. And you will see in some parts where they're kind of fighting or they're rolling around or they're like – there's some there are some shots where you can actually see Susan Henning's face and you can tell it's not um, – Haley Mills. However, it's done so well and so convincing that the, the average uh, viewer is not going to notice any of that stuff. And of course, they did the split screen where they covered up half of the camera and they would film Haley Mills on one side. And incidentally, they would put Susan Henning in the other part so they could play off of each other. They could talk to each other and then they would switch places. Now, fun fact when they're in the tent and they're figuring out that they are sisters for the first time and they're starting to be friendly with each other for the first time and the rain gust of wind and the rain comes in and kind of destroys the pictures on the wall and everything. And they start to piece together, you know, birthday and mom, dad, everything. There are a couple of shots where their shoes switch places. Like the two, the two girls didn't put on the correct <laughs> shoes. Like, it's continuity error. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's a continuity error that I always look for. Cause my, you know, my aunt one time showed me that when I was a kid, I'm like, Oh, that's so cool. So, so the, the, uh, the two girls who were really good friends on set and, and, and played both parts, both of them had to learn the lines for both girls and both of them had to act out every scene pretty much as both girls, um, which is no small feat. Um, anyway, they, they have those little things you can look for.
0: You know, that's so, that is so cool, Mitch. I, I'm, I still am impressed with how well that effect works. You know, with the when the two Haley Mills are on oh, yeah. screen together, yeah. that seems like it was such an inventive thing, and probably some. other I'm sure there's some other films that that used it, but wow, it's I think it's still uh, you know really effective, really. Yeah. Effective. Haley Mills is so cute.
1: I thought it was cool too, in that I think if it was the same one that um I watched that I you know because back then credits were not like they are now, where like everything gets listed. You know, you yeah, you, you yeah. saw the the titles at the beginning and then there were very few credits at the end. And, you know, so Walt kind of not wanting to spoil the surprise and also like wanting to um, have that little gimmick where he's like starring Haley Mills and Haley Mills, you know, like he was trying to yeah, do that yeah. whole thing. But like still treating Susan so well on set and like making sure that she understands that she's like a really important part of this film. And, you know, like I just felt like he really went out of his way to make her feel like, you know, she was a part of the process and, you know, I I thought that was cool.
3: You're right. And that, that bonus uh, content is, makes that very clear. And the two girls have kept in touch and, you know, Walt and everybody on the set were they were, just as kind to Haley as or to Susan as they were to to Haley, so yeah, very very uh, well worth the watch if you want to go back and find some of that uh, behind the scenes stuff. That's why I don't, I don't say a word, so uh,
1: word.
3: I'll go ahead. Sorry, Lily. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm just quoting
1: that. What the uh, what was the verb verbena the. I don't say a word, not oh, a yeah. single word.
3: None of mine, never mind. It's,
1: it's none <laughs> yeah, of my business. Right.
3: I don't say a word because she figures it that's out, right? That's right. right. That's the true. housekeeper yeah. figures out. Yeah, she like.
1: tells tells her everything. It's almost <laughs> as if
3: you were, oh, that's impossible.
1: Yeah, <laughs> of course, it's none of mine, never mind.
3: <laughs> and my wife always, uh, and I argue that, because I think that Verbena, the housekeeper, and the ranch hand guy are are married because at the end they're like, holding hands or something during the wedding sequence. My wife's like, no, they're not, they don't even, they're not, there's nothing there, but just watch it. And you'll see that I'm right. Um, (laughs) There's a budding romance. (laughs) Quick quick little tidbit. My grandmother always uh, was convinced that John Wayne played the father, the Brian Keith role. And all of us would say, no, you're out of your mind. That is not John Wayne. She doesn't know what it absolutely is. This is pre-internet, so was no way to like, and so we got out the tape and we showed her that that's not John Wayne. And by then, um, my mother had bet her mother, my grandmother, a dress. You would buy me a new dress if I am right. And my grandmother said, you, you're going to be buying me a new dress if I am right. Kind i a silly little wager. And so we pulled out the tape. We showed grandma that it's Brian Keith, not John Wayne, of course. And um, my mother got a dress out of <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah getting confused with like
0: the quiet man or some other yeah, you know no. john wayne Marino o'hara <laughs> film right, right.
1: <laughs> every line would be low and
0: slow <laughs> 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 yep. oh that's for what a great pick great pick, mitch well my next pick is another animated film uh from that I, I love pretty much, I guess my whole life is the jungle book. Yes. Yeah. Uh, from 1967. So, uh, I just love everything about this movie. You know, I, uh, a few years ago, Well, I, I if I can go, I love going to the Turner classic movie, classic film festival. That oh yeah. You're good really at that. be run every year in California. So cool. and, this is a pre COVID, if I'm not mistaken, but one year they screened the Jungle Books. So occasionally they'll still screen some Disney movies. Oh, no way. Know, at, so at the cool. school festival. Yeah. And I was, they had Floyd Norman there, you know. Oh, no cool no way. Because they typically uh, could bring somebody, you know, who's worked on the film Yeah. Uh, to talk about it. But the, the TCM primetime host, his name is Ben Mankiewicz. He introduced the film and he just said, get ready for 80 Minutes of Joy and i just thought that was like the perfect way to describe this film because i really Mm -hmm. think that's what it is yes Um, it's maybe not necessarily a you know a perfect film or something that you know i don't you know i i think it's pretty well loved but i know for me it's just one that i've loved i've just always loved my um my big sister tells me that uh this the the jungle book soundtrack record and you know that we that you know, my parents bought me was, uh, was in heavy rotation. At oh, the house. I, bet, yeah. and I think that my siblings were ready to kill me because that's all <laughs> I wanted to listen to. <laughs> I don't remember any of that, but you know, I have to rely on, uh, on what they told me, but I just remember it. It's like, I can't even remember my life without it. And I just, and I, and I love it so much.
3: Oh, that's so, I, I believe it. I mean, that's great, great soundtrack. I listen to it regularly, um, on my, my phone. um, George Bruns. Yeah. Uh, German Brothers. Oh, don't you
0: love the, the the background music in it?
3: Yeah, yeah. Just that kind of like... Soundtrack, yeah. jungle kind of hint of jungle music, but just... Yeah, it's just great. And, and, the, and we keep saying... I keep saying that the voice actors make a oh. big difference, but in this film, it has a star-studded cast of just yeah. wonderful, wonderful voice actors.
1: Well, and I think it's one of those films that really shows how, like... Walt Disney had that ability to, he just knew the right sound and he knew the right feeling. And, you know, when the songs yeah. weren't working out, he was just like, you know, uh, we're going to keep bare necessities, but like, I need the Sherman brothers in here, you know? And he made sure, and, and I love this story that the Sherman brothers tell about, um, What what is the name who play the, who plays the girl? Father's hunting in the forest. Oh, at the end? So- Hello, girl.
2: Uh- yeah. yeah
1: and how they had her just kind of do a quick demo and then Walt's like well who is she she should do it. And cuz he knew the sound and he you know he knew how to put everything together in in the right way to make you know he knew what he was after. Even even in the beginning when he was like all right ha- have any of you read Kipling's book? Okay great don't cuz we're not gonna <laughs> like that. He like so <laughs> kind of has nothing to do with the book. Yeah yeah he's just like he had a vision and he knew what he wanted to do, and he he did. And
3: you know, Walt was the one that figured out the ending with a little girl because they didn't know how to get him out of the fort, out of the the jungle, into the the man village, right? And and Walt was like, put a little mm-hmm. girl there, and that's and from what according to what I've watched, right? And that is just part of Walt's brilliance. Like the, yeah, like he was like, yeah. it's the most simple solution to our problem, and it's the best, and it it, it really is, is
0: It's the best. I. I love the end. I mean, I love everything about it, but I love that ending. You have yeah. an
3: entire what like 90 minutes of a, a a boy who's raised in the jungle, who wants nothing to do with any other lifestyle. He wants to live in that jungle forever and everything that they sing and do and talk about and look at and, and you know, everywhere they go, it all says, Hey, this is the place for you to be. This is the only place you'd ever want to live as a little boy. And then in, in five seconds, yeah, he sees a little girl, <laughs> yeah, in water, and he's going, "Oh, he!" It, it sparks his curiosity, and it's nothing weird. It's just like, okay, and you get it—the animation and the music and the the timing of the whole thing—you one hundred percent buy into it. That okay, Mowgli, this is this is what will get Mowgli to to give the the village a chance, yes. even though he's he's he adores everything else that he's experienced in his life yeah. thus far, and that's just. Walt Disney for you I mean who else could have yeah it's just he's he, well, was, I mean, he was
1: so good at pantomime. you know like it was you can do so much with just like him suddenly now he's fumbling around and you know I mean it was just it was so good yeah yeah in fact it was one of the things that made me the most sad about the quote live action remake you know like oh oh, you, oh gee you kind yeah. of missed that you know anyways I so. had
3: high hopes for that but then yeah
0: there was some interesting
3: technical work, I think, sure, on that. Yeah. But yeah, overall, it's like ugh. it's hard. You just can't beat the the original. the the the,
1: yeah.
3: the King Louis oh, sequence. Oh, you love
1: yes, King where Louis. Where they're
3: like King are like the monkeys running around, and he's like singing about red, like the red, the fire, the the yeah. flower, and the, the 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 man's red flower, and all that. Well,
1: and didn't they do the scatting? They weren't at the same place at the same time, so they actually. Did kind of like a call and response and sent it back and forth or something like did that, they really? didn't they?
3: Probably.
0: You know, that, uh, yeah, I, I don't know that story, but that definitely I bet, it happened, you know, and isn't it, isn't it just like fantastic how well it came together? And-
1: so good. Yes. Yeah, because they were like, we just got to be more natural, you know, I think the way it was written, they kind of didn't like it. So they're like, yeah, we're, we're just gonna do this like call and response scatting thing. And <laughs> it worked out. I mean, it, that song is so classic.
3: Oh, yeah. yeah. And just that whole sequence is so much fun, you know?
1: Yeah, it
2: really is. <laughs> I think it's one of the
3: most beautiful films in every in every aspect. I mean, in terms of, like we said, music and, and, and acting, the animation is is some of the best that the Nine Old Men and other animators who don't get as much credit, who, who deserve credit, did. They, they just did some terrific animation. Uh, they did the... And, and part of that is... I remember I'd pause it and like rewind it, like pause it, rewind, pause, rewind, and just study each little movie. And then I'd do the same thing for the background art because the background art's really pretty. Um, but they, this is one of the, the the few films during that time period they did the Xerox transfer technique, right? So they had to they they developed this for the Hundred and One Dalmatians uh, preceded uh, Jungle Book because uh, they needed something they, they needed to they needed a way to kind of like be more efficient in their animation because previous to Dalmatians, you would have the animator sketch on paper with pencil. You'd have the ink and paint ladies that worked in the ink and paint department, put the clear sheet over the top of the clear animation cell, trace the line work with ink or paint, turn that over and then put the, the color in. That was a very laborious process. And so they developed this process where they can take the, they could scan the, the the pencil drawings and then print it directly onto the cell, which was unheard of at the time. It was like Xerox technology that is so common today was very new and it took up like this big room. It wasn't just like a copy machine. It was like this big thing where they had to like scan every single thing. But this way they didn't have to trace the line work onto the cells anymore. And now when you're drawing 101 puppies and all the that, you know, stuff that's going on in the spots and everything with the, the Dalmatians... Now you're cutting out one uh, step between, um, you know, like animation and ink and paint, and it saved a ton of money. and And, and they continued this with Jungle Book and with the uh, Robin Hood and the Rescuers and a few other ones. And then they retired it eventually when the computer animation, computer techniques, and other things kind of came into play. But the point the point I'm making with all that is, you watch the Jungle Book and you can see the actual animators sketches which is yeah. not typical in you know you're seeing a, a, a fine clean line normally that's a tracing of the animator's pencil sketches that are rougher you're going to see little um, construction lines and little kind of like sketchy stuff you'll see different animators have different amount of sketchiness in there in their um, style of of drawing and you, and all of that comes through on the, in the jungle book in a beautiful way. And I really like the style. I'm just, I'm a big fan of the style. Not everybody is, but I really love the style of.
0: I I love it too. Yeah. I know that not everybody uh, appreciates or enjoys it, but I, wow, I love it. And I love it through that whole time period too. I I particularly love it in the rescuers. Oh yeah. Uh, Yeah. 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 I think that's so, so uh, effective, you know, and one of the sad, I guess, that's maybe melancholy, or I'm not sure what the right word is. Bittersweet is that it's it's the last film that Walt Disney really was personally, involved yeah, involved, yeah. An animated film that Walt Disney was personally involved with,
1: yeah.
0: Which I didn't quite know until I was an adult, right? I didn't know it. <laughs> that didn't register at all to me when I was a little kid listening to that record
3: over and over. But, um, yeah, so sad. But it's got his. It just it's got, got him his touch. throughout. You know, he was focused on other things at the time, so. He was, uh, but he was still de- devoted to the animation. Of course, that's kind of his bread and butter, and and you can tell in the film that it it was it was him. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. And who doesn't love the Beatles? Uh, the vultures. vultures. <laughs> the Beatles vultures. Yeah, those are so good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We're your friends. <laughs> yeah.
1: And to the bitter end.
3: Yeah, it's so it's
0: so great.
3: So um, good. Yeah, Buzzy Flaps, Ziggy and Dizzy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, I don't know that by memory. I looked it up, but it's
2: oh, yeah. just
3: great little with the Beatles and the Beatles hair. I mean, everything. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's 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 such a fun movie. Truly, you know, you know, eighty plus minutes of pure joy. You know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we are, we are back to Lily for your final, for your final pick of our, uh, of our discussion here.
1: Third Lily, and final. Us, but, what you picked. Okay. Well, I knew that, you know, we, we had decided when we were trying to narrow down which, what would be included and what wouldn't be included. We decided that we would include Pixar. Yes, for sure. And so I, um, I knew I had to have a Pixar in here. And, you know, there's several Pixar films that I really appreciate for very specific reasons. But I rewatched Soul, which I loved the first time that I saw it. And I had some things just like stirring in me. And I was like, you know, I feel like Soul is the thing that really like speaks to this. And I rewatched it. And I'm just like, you know, this film is just, it really like the point that they were making with this film was like meant for me. Like it was, it went deep in there and it's just so it, it just really this idea of um, I love the moment when he ends up finally getting the gig with the band and he finally ends up playing
2: Yes. and yes.
1: he walks out with Dorothy Williams and he says, you know, I'm not sure that like this felt the way that I thought or, you know, this, I'm not really sure anymore. And, you know, I'm not really sure what I want. And in the end, you know, when he sees that the little helicopter leaf, I don't know what those are actually called, but that's what we call them when we were kids. Yeah. You know, the, the little helicopter leaf and he just picks it up and he realizes like life is about nothing more than life. And, um, I think that, you know, the 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 moment that he gets that second chance at his life, you know, and she says, you know, what are you going to do with it? And uh, he says, I don't know, but all I know is like, I'm going to live it. And I just was like, yes, yeah, like that's yeah. it. And you know, I just didn't think it speaks to like everyone who was like, ah, you know, I should have been this, I should have been that. Like, we all have this plan B that we all thought our life was supposed to be, but like the reality is like you get one life and this is it. And that's plan A. I don't know. I just it's it's yeah, an amazing yeah. point, it's well stated. I mean, let's talk about the cast. I mean, it's incredible, you know. <laughs> yeah,
3: Jamie <laughs> Fox, right?
0: Did the Jamie Foxx, Jamie Tina Faye. Fox. Tina Fey. It, oh yeah, Tina Fey. Is it Angela Bassett? It has, it she, she yes. Yes.
1: Yes. It. Um. Debbie Diggs, who plays. Oh yeah. Um, he's know. the barber, right? Oh, yeah. the barber
3: shop is my favorite. I love that whole. He's whole thing.
1: he's Joe's like neighborhood frenemy or whatever. Um yeah I mean it's just the it's it's a it's Pete Doctor I mean just uh you know what's yeah. not to like you know and, and it's funny I was talking about this with my sister and she was like you know I mean it's a good film but you know most Pixar films are like you love it as an adult and the kids love it and she's like my kids just they liked it but they don't really want to watch really? it again and I was like okay I could see that you know maybe it wasn't as strong of a kids movie but Oh, do they? Oh, that's great. It's
3: not like their top Pixar film, but it's, they watch it. They like it. They love it.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. I thought it was, you know, I just felt like the music, you know, the, it, it's very, it is very quirky, you know, like the way that they sort of uh, have like psychological interpretations and the way they like, Show you know him going through his memories and you know all of those and and actually I love that moment when twenty two says when he says like oh these are all like sad memories like what who who chose these you know and (laughs) she's like well you did like these are your memories and um you know just sort of realizing like those moments that we thought were like our break moments in our lives and you know that really. Life was just life. And, um, and then we
3: fall into a manhole.
1: Yeah. Like in, <laughs> in a hole
3: in the street. Yeah. yeah. And kind of get a wake up call. But... Even
1: in the weird part where they're like in the black sand and 22 is turning into like a big black blob, but you know, but like even that, I loved the sort of the symbolism there of just like letting those things sort of shroud you and letting that voice in your head just like overtake you, you know, like, yeah. It, it's definitely an abstract, even you know everyone even the animations Jerry abstract. And, you and know both. like all of yeah. it it's it's weird. I get it. But um, I felt like they took a risk and it was a risk that worked for me. I really liked it. Now both
3: of you are um, very, very talented musically, I mean, in in many other ways as well. but both uh, uh, Stan and Lily are professional music musician singers etc and so i i'd imagine that the that theme of this like aspiring uh very talented musician resonated with you both i I, I would assume right
1: yeah uh, yeah yeah, let, well, yeah well. you
0: know and thanks for the kind words mitch i mean <laughs> yeah there was something that really resonated you know about the music and i was sorry i was wrong is it is it quest love who plays the barber so oh, he takes place kind of yeah, like his yeah his frenemy uh-huh. yes yes anyway my bad but um so sorry sorry to cry that but just and just as a you know as 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 Lily was saying uh the um the whole part where where uh he figures out you know what 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 really what life's so important. That's interesting because I'm not necessarily had that experience musically, but I could understand how he could. You know, yeah. I mean, there's this thing that like, oh, that's his that's his whole goal, but really, life is maybe something else other than what he was just solely, you know, the the music he was solely focusing on. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, and the and the part where they're finding their quote spark. Yes. You know, and and he's like, well, yeah, my music is my spark. Like it's my it's my passion. And, and I think it's Jerry that says, Oh, you guys and your passion, (laughs) You you know, like, that's not a spark, you know? And I just, it's just such a good point because I, I think that we, you know, and maybe it's, you know, particularly like Western American culture, we're so caught up in like being someone important and like doing something great with our lives and like, find your passion and live your best life. You know, I mean, so much, uh, you know, it's, it's like almost so much pressure we put on ourselves to like, do something important with our lives. And, you know, just, I love this idea of like, no, like everything is in a piece of pizza (laughs) and everything (laughs) is in a leaf and everything is in a child learning how to play a musical instrument. Like, Everything is right there.
3: Yeah, I thought they they uh, approached th- those themes without being uh, too sappy or too. You know, Disney can they they really kind of pioneered a certain uh, romantic approach to dreams and and goals and accomplishments and everything. They did it so well a long time ago, and then they went through this period in recent decades that they kind of made it. I don't know. It's Not my favorite when they get too too sappy and too weird and fake. And you know, all you have to do is, you know, and all the everything will get better and like all your dreams will come true. All you have to do is believe. And, if you and can this dream one is you like,
1: and you can do it. it.
3: Yeah, I'm trying not to uh, quote certain theme park songs that uh, <laughs> terrible. Too late. Um,
0: yes, we can.
3: Yeah, yes, we can. <laughs> but this this I think Soul uh, approached it and, and it wasn't Disney, and people you know lumped them together, but Soul is Pixar, a different studio, uh, same ownership, but uh very they did they approached it very well. I thought it was really um, like let's take the this, this theme of like trying hard and, and going after your dream but not make it too too sappy, but also uh, heartwarming and touching at the same time. so good yeah. balance.
0: You know, Lily, this was such an excellent pick. I've recently rewatched Soul 2, and I loved it the first time I saw it. And you know, I've seen it other. You know, you know, this is probably maybe my third or fourth viewing that I just you know had a couple weeks ago, and uh, just so impressed with this movie. I th- I thought you nailed it with the word abstract because it really is yeah. kind of you know uh, just the, the designs are so are so interesting, but I think that's what makes it work so well. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. And it, I actually think I to your point, Mitch, too, it's it's subtle, actually. Like the point is actually quite subtle. And even yeah, I'm saying hit over the head. <laughs> Jerry, they're all Jerry, you know, they're all named Jerry. But yeah. you're like the woman, the tall woman, Jerry, you know, she's so like hmm. Yeah. Well, I
2: don't think so but, you know, like i just i
1: like I love like how subtle it is, you know, but she's she has this wisdom, but it's nothing it's very it's very simple you know,
3: yeah, yeah, it was tastefully done, I liked
0: it uh, you know, I liked it too. I remember I think it was when uh, remember that one time we got to tour Pixar, I know we've got to do it a couple of times, but yeah, it <laughs> uh, so was pretty much the coolest thing ever uh so cool. But uh, yeah, definitely. One, you know, one of our our, our friends there who was t- who was giving us the tour. I think they were working on Soul, you know, while we were there. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, I think and yeah. We did. I don't think it. we got to see. And I don't remember that we got to see any art from it. Maybe we did. I, did did we? But I mean, that's not necessarily the point. But I remember though, our friend was saying that they're working really hard on the story because this is kind of a tricky subject matter. And he, you know, like Pete Doctor didn't want to offend anybody. <laughs> right, you know, right. with This kind of how they were creating like this kind of pre-life and, you know, afterlife business.
2: Yeah.
1: And,
0: and even the look of the, you know, quote unquote souls, you know, was, was very unique. Yes. um, And I, and I thought that mission, you know, mission accomplished at least, at least for me, what, what, what do you both think about that?
3: No, I agree because it's it's this like it could be interpreted as uh, like religious. It could be interpreted as non-religious. It's it's got a good balance. And as a religious person myself, I was not in any way offended by it, and I did not. They weren't trying to they weren't trying to push anything uh, either way. Um, in terms of like afterlife and your soul, I think it it just like it, it was abstract enough where it just it represented so many different things that anybody can get behind, right? It didn't, you know, the, the person who doesn't have the, uh, that belief in the afterlife could really get behind the message of it. And the person who does have that strong conviction about, you know, afterlife and, and purpose of life, et cetera, et cetera, in a religious way, can really get behind it. So, no, I think they, they walked a, a fine line really, really well. Yeah,
0: I've I'll go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Lily. No,
1: no that
0: was it. I I, I mean, of course, I'm gush about this film, for, uh, but I I loved how in the two like kind of the pre and afterlife world and then in the earth, you know, like current day in New York City. I mean, anim- I just call them the magicians of Pixar, right? I mean, just <laughs> yeah. the art is so stunning and stellar and they're so different. And also, you know, they use different composers, so, John Batiste, if I'm not mistaken, was the one who did all of the music on Earth, you know, the jazz music. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross were the ones who did the music in the the more ethereal kind of music in in the in the pre-life and, and, and post-life. And it's, in a lot of ways, when you look at it, it's almost like they were making two different films, you know, just because yeah, yeah. it looks... But, I mean, could they have made New York City look more beautiful? <laughs> just the way it was you know, drawn and lit and... and um, you know, it was just stunning. I just think of that one shot where Joe's riding on the train, you know, the, like the above ground train and the sun's the sunset or, you know, the yeah. sun is setting over the city. And
3: I just, you know, I just marvel at the, at, at the beauty of the art. I agree. Very, very beautifully rendered animated stage and lit. Yeah. I'm kind of a, a render nerd. Like if you go back to the original Pixar films and compare them to like the most recent ones. Oh, big yeah. difference and this one is just i can't imagine it getting any better than that uh, the way that it's it's been yeah uh made
1: yeah agreed yeah
3: wonderful Good. wonderful
0: pick lily <laughs> yeah. and, and, and you know and a cool one you know I was just say for for, for 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 pixar i i really i really love that you, that you uh that you picked that all right mitch what's your uh your, your, your final film of right. uh, the three we're, we're, we're talking about from each of us.
3: My uh, number three would be the 1963 animated feature, The Sword in the Stone. Now, this yeah. wasn't a major blockbuster success. It wasn't critically acclaimed like a lot of the Disney films were. However, it's one that I think uh, holds up well. I know I have talked to many, many people in recent years Full-grown adults who say that it is um, their favorite or in their top favorite animated films of all time. It's it's interesting when, on social media or elsewhere, you can, um, when you talk about it, and the the subject comes up, so many people will come out of the woodworks and say, "I absolutely love this film. It was my childhood favorite, and I still watch it today." And it's one of those kind of rocketeer films where a lot of people aren't even very familiar with it. They don't even know it exists, or if they do, they just don't know what it is. But when they watch it and they they really kind of get into it, it's a it's a very um, entertaining film. Um, the, the basic the premise of it is that like you're introduced to this this concept at the very beginning of of like this um, uh, this this sword has appeared in like medieval London and it's stuck in this anvil, this stone, and it's in the kind of center of town, and it's just like appears there, and there's an inscription that says you know, that whoever pulls his sword from the stone is the rightful heir to the throne. You know, the, the king has died. There's no heir. And and, and we're, we're left with, you know, England is left without a king. And and this is the way that we're going to get our king. And so there's this kind of really cool uh, setup at the very beginning. But then the entire movie has nothing to do with that until the very end. It just kind of like sets the stage that, you know, hopefully one day somebody will be able to pull the sword from the stone. And then you go into this uh, story of a... A young boy, an orphan boy, a kind of very simple um, very kind of basic uh, orphan boy who um, just goes about his very simple life and then runs into a uh, a, a very intelligent magical wizard uh, and in the wizard Merlin um, sees a lot of potential in this boy for some reason, there's something about this boy that's going to be um, remarkable you know in the future. And so he sets out to educate the boy, the, the Wart, this the, it's is his nickname. Uh, the boy named Wart doesn't know how to read or write. He, he he knows very little about the world around him. And so Merlin introduces him to things um, like education. He turns himself, uh, Merlin him, himself and Wart into fish for a whole sequence where they swim around the castle moat and they get chased by a barracuda. He turns himself and Wart into squirrels for a whole sequence where they kind of jump around the treetops and they learn about gravity and and, and all these different uh, kind of uh, science things and about the world around them. Um, he tells them about the future because Merlin can kind of see into the future. Uh, he turns Wart into a bird and then his sidekick, Merlin, his... His pet is an an owl, a talking owl. it's not a not a world where animals talk, but this particular animal does because he's like the owl pet of the wizard, so he's very highly educated and 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 uh his name is Mark Archimedes and Archimedes and wart and wart as as a bird, they go out and they fly around and you know it's just like as a kid, you're watching this film, and you go, okay, there's nothing too heavy for here for me, it's just a boy in the sky and the bird. Uh, an owl going on these little adventures and 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 they're animals and it's charming and fun and there's not a lot of weight to it you would you would think and then at the end um it turns out that it was it was always kind of destined uh for this boy whose name is arthur it's kind of his destiny that he's going to be the king of england he's going to pull the sword from the stone you know the, the um King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. And that's the last few seconds of the film that you kind of piece that together. Um, there's a scene before that, that um, uh, Merlin is battling, it's like a battle of wits. It's a, it's a wizard's duel between himself and a, another wizard, like a witch character, kind of the the villain of the film, but not really, she's not a villain. is it? Her name is Madame Mim, and she's not all that bad, but she's kind of kind of bad and kind of you know, witty, Mm-hmm. and they have to turn themselves into different animals and fight it out and it's just beautifully animated sequence of of um animals going after each other and they kind of look like their character right the animal if it, if if merlin turns himself into a goat it looks like a, a goat version of Merlin. Yeah, it's like blue and color, right? Or it's got like some kind of shade of blue, like a little really. A yeah. Little bit <laughs> and like, yeah. It's yeah, and like she's turning into animals that are like pink and purple, like her yes. character. And, <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> she starts to break all the rules and she turns into a big, you know, like a dragon. And, and uh, anyway, it's, it's, it's like, it's one of those films where if you're uh, a boy in the 1980s growing up and you have only the handful of, movies in your home collection and that's one of them and you're just watching it on a very regular basis, you just get really lost in the whole idea of like uh, being something that you could never be, you know, like you know, my wife always talks about, she does like the impression of the squirrels. Cause there's like this little girl squirrel that yes. falls in love with the, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the little girl squirrel. <laughs> Yeah. Like both Merlin and Wart are, are squirrels and they both run into like female squirrels of the same age and so this little cute little girl squirrel just falls in love with the squirrel version of wart and and like he can't explain to her that he's just a boy like she doesn't even speak like she just like makes these cute little noises and then merlin has that old lady kind of like squirrel that's more his age and she <laughs> he's like all angry and he, like she's all mad at him and uh when they you know it, it the whole thing is just it's full of charm and everything and, it's, and And it's another film, yet another on our lists that doesn't get enough credit, I think.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree, especially with the, you know, it's, um, it takes you into these dreams you have as a kid where you're like, wouldn't it be cool to be a fish? Wouldn't it be cool to be a bird? Wouldn't it, you know, and sort of. You imagined those things. And then, you know, this, this film is like, well, yeah, this is what that would be like. And, you know, in, in the terms of education, you know, those worlds are not all they're cracked up to be, you know, there's, there's uh, positives and there's negatives with every situation. You know, I, I think it's great. It's, it's absolutely great film.
0: You know, there, I don't know if there's a film that I love the production design more than this film and i guess just like the general art direction i just think that the characters are so perfectly designed yes and i you know, like merlin you know really quite simple you know with just like that tunic or whatever you call that he's wearing and, and his and his wizard's hat and that great shade of blue but it's perfection you know it is i agree and uh and uh little wart you know is 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 is, is so great and um i just i, I absolutely love the look of it and I also think too this that scene at the end when like well, it's two things. That wizard's duel.
2: Yeah.
3: I mean, come on. I mean, that is just like Love the it. greatest. I mean, the animators one of the all-time greats. Just, yeah. they were it was a tough thing, I imagine, because they had to create characters, like so many different characters, and like animate them. So instead of just like animating Merlin for the whole feature, now you're animating him as a dozen different animals. Anyway, keep going. Yes. And I always just the whole thing just I mean
0: just even thinking about it just makes you smile so much because uh, it's just so endlessly clever as well, and then how they're trying to outsmart each other, you know, like which yeah. animal is going to win, <laughs> you know, over over the other. And I ultimately just love how how it turns out, how you know Merlin turns himself into a virus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it
3: makes you. sick. It, it didn't, so even it didn't even and know that stuff back then. It was like you know he knew because he's then. smart. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's it's liable. And then the scene when when Arthur you know slash Wart pulls the sword out of the stone. Yeah. Yeah. Perfection. You know again just the way it's lit that beautiful stone wall in the background, you know, and just the way the anvil is and everything. Choirs just, in heaven are like starting to sing. Yeah. Like it's meant to be. It's, it's really, you know, I, I it's really, it, it's really special. Now, Mitch, I, I hope everybody's following, you know, imaginary D- Disney on social media, but speaking of the sword and the stone, they should be following you right now because you've been posting some really <laughs> cool art.
3: <laughs> of something that, that you've been working on. If you wouldn't mind telling us about a little bit about what you're doing. Uh, for fun, occasionally throughout my life, I've kind of put together little uh, attraction ideas for theme parks, for Disney theme parks. And um, I've always wanted a, a dark ride of the Sword in the Stone because I think much like Alice in Wonderland, like we talked about, uh, Jungle Book would be another one. That some, some of these animated films would make perfect dark rides. Uh, dark rides being like enclosed um, ride with a track system and little vehicles. Or a boat system. Um, and I, I chose a boat system for this one because I want it to be kind of a, a slower moving uh, adventure. And um, so I took the the basic layout of the Florida Magic Kingdom. It's a small world, um, the show building and the actual path of the water, like the boat ride, and uh, the same dimensions and everything. And I just replaced everything, like kind of gutted out all the sets and then put in, um, inserted in different scenes from uh the sword and the stone uh so i've started to animate it a little bit to where you can kind of ride through a, a little bit it's still got a long ways to go but i've it's all laid out already and, and uh, each scene has kind of been determined within the within the structure of the building and the layout of the ride um but yeah i've been posting some things uh where you like for for instance you go through merlin's house and there's that great scene where He decides to pack up everything he owns and move to the castle because that's where Wart lives. It's like this old rundown, aging castle. No royalty or anything. It's just like some caretakers and whoever his his, uh, guardians live there. So he's got to pack up and he's going to use magic to fit everything he owns, which is a lot. Books and all this cool like inventions and stuff and furniture all compacted into this one little handbag. And it's just this great music from the Sherman brothers. And so I kind of animated a little bit of that, how it, how it might be if it were like animatronic form, just kind of simple figures, simple movements, and just kind of a slow moving boat ride through his, through that scene of the movie. And then you go into the next scene. And um, yeah, if you want to check it out, it's uh, imagineeringdisney.com uh, imagineering, disney.com. That's the website, but the, the, the artwork's mostly posted on Instagram and uh, uh, Twitter.
0: It's, it's super cool, Mitch. I, uh, I just love it. I, and I love that how you've got the flume going that you're actually like going under that, the stream of objects, you know, that he's miniaturizing yeah uh, into the bag. It just, you just picture, you know, I can just hear the music, you know, the higginess, bigginess. <laughs> 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 and um, it's, it's super cool.
3: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I, it's a, it's a really kind of a labor of love and will never get built. And um, you know, people are saying, and I'm very flattered, People are saying, can we start a letter writing campaign? Can we, how do we get a hold of Disney? And the truth of the matter is, it's just not something that's going to be a, a priority for them, at least not in this, at least not right now. Maybe one day, I think Paris should do it or Tokyo or something, but yeah, um, until then, we can just kind of live through uh, 3D-generated computer imagery.
1: <laughs> well, and it, I do think it's sad that there's not more of a tribute to sort of the stone in the parks. I know there's the... The sword that's in front of the carousel, which they have considered removing multiple times um, because oh, it's... Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah, it's a pretty bad traffic jam because there's not enough walkway space uh, around the carousel. And so when they do do shows there, it um, it blocks it up. So they like the idea of doing the show, um, but then, you know, the show creates the problem so
3: that's too bad because it's not very now big. They, the footprint of it is they like just super leave the scroll. sword
1: there and they don't even have the show which is mm, also man. sad <laughs> which is right exactly so, i always thought at least at walt disney world um the stage would, would they have a like merida meet and greets there now um that stage is like on the side of the castle yes i always thought that would be a great spot for be a, a, a churchyard and a, a merlin show you know yeah. something like that
3: one of my concepts oh, yeah. I did uh, when I worked at Disney, they had that Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea uh, lagoon when they had that ride, and that lagoon sat empty for years, and it's a oh, really for, big yeah piece of real estate in Fantasyland in Magic Kingdom. Now it's it's large enough that now they have like a whole other like land almost like an extension of Fantasyland with multiple restaurants and rides. I had designed um, an idea that was I called the Streets of London because you have these different sort of architectures from europe throughout fantasyland and it kind of has a progression well if you have the whole london section you can have uh dark rides for uh you could have like a mary poppins you could have um and then it would slowly transition into uh a forest where you have the sword and the stone you could have uh robin hood um dalmatians you could you know pick take your pick you could have two or three four different uh dark rides in that area that are all set in in london and as you get deeper into the streets of london you would kind of the style would change subtly into the specific period of that film, so Dalmatians would have kind of like this uh mid uh twentieth century, whereas um sword and stone would be more medieval and it would have that like slow transition um as you go and it would be very seamless um and well that was that was my idea for that property, and everybody was coming up with ideas for that property at the time, but they landed on something different um but I just think it would make a good ride it would. Well, and then hello boat ride,
0: we've nah. discussed <laughs> <laughs> amongst ourselves uh, many times. Yeah. Not enough boat rides out there. <laughs> yeah, I always need more boat rides. And what a great, what a great pick, Mitch. I just you know that's that's really, I think it's an underrated film, you yeah. know, and and one that I think more people would would uh, enjoy if they'd watch. It's on Disney Plus, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it is.
3: Yeah, yeah
1: yeah it's a good yeah,
3: one i agree i agree good stuff okay right, well, at, uh, one more right and then, one uh,
1: more
0: yeah so i was finale. Tr- i wanted to find a, a live action or, or select uh-huh. a live action pick and there were a few that i was considering one of them was Twenty Thousand leagues under the sea which is not the one you know, and it was just because i think that's such a cool film and holds Great up film. incredibly well uh-huh. i i think and, and uh just a great, great action movie and great, again, great actress. Kurt Douglas is in it, you know, James Mason. and But, uh, and then I was just also kind of thinking about just some of my childhood favorites, you know, when I was a kid. Like, I, I mean, I loved The Love Bug and I loved yeah. Yeah. Um, just kind of those, like those, those silly comedies, you know, from the <laughs> 70s. All the stuff after, you know, after Walt died, but still just were movies that I loved as a kid. But uh, I ended up picking Tron from the original yeah. Tron from 1982. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good, and, uh, you know I, I i i love Tron so much, and I respect it so much. I mean, I kind of think that it's in in a way. Maybe it's not the most exciting. I mean, it's it's it maybe drags a little bit or whatnot, but still. The visuals are such a knockout, and I think they were so creative in what they were trying to do. Oh, it's groundbreaking! With it, yes, yeah. really groundbreaking. And uh, and there's no way that they would. I mean, I know that they were able to make the sequel finally in 2010, and you know they're supposed to make tron Three. Are they really? Yes, it's, Whoa, it's like cool? it was announced, and they're ready to go. They were going to start shooting in August. And then because of this actor and writer strikes, it's been on hold. Oh no, you're kidding. I didn't and I'm like, that. dang it. Now I'm all like being, being all paranoid. Like, oh, they're going to cut it. You know, they're not going to do it. But, and who knows if it's going to be any good. But they're even making it. You know, it me, makes me so stoked. I have fingers crossed. But anyway, I digress.
1: Yeah, so I, uh, I've mixed feelings about it because I'm like, first of all, I don't know where they take the story from here. I know. It's exactly. <laughs> exactly kind
0: of, I know.
1: But then it's also like, we want more Tron. So, you know. <laughs>
0: I share your thoughts. I'm like, I'm like, all worried. Yeah, but then thinking, well, maybe it's going to be good, but who knows? But it's Tron. Yeah, more Tron. We just so, got to get more people well,
1: on that roller coaster, you know, Like just keep making it. right. <laughs> exactly.
3: Disney does not make bad sequels, guys. They always have, by the time they get to number three or four, they're just, they're the they're best. They're so good. Totally.
1: Toy Story 17. Pirates, Pirates, be, Pirates
3: be, six or whatever,
0: yeah. Pirates 4. Oh. oh that's right. That's right. High school musical. Uh, wow.
2: You went
3: there.
1: Wow, you went all the way there.
3: High school musical 3. I did I did some of the marketing for that. Uh, very, oh, did you <laughs> for High School Musical 3? Yeah. I take no offense to your comments cuz I, I didn't even get right I didn't there. even see the movie. No, no, no offense, admit. Had I know. They did not let me see screen the movie. The When I was of doing the marketing career. for it. <laughs> they they wouldn't let us see the movie when we did the marketing when we did marketing for it. Which is kinda of weird. But then I did see the movie and I thought, oh. Hmm. Yeah, like, oh dear. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, Tron. And you know, high school music was filmed at my high school. Did we talk have we talked about oh, this? Yeah,
3: East High? Yeah. That...
0: East high, East High School. Yeah. So, East high. so that you a- see a, a lot, lot of familiar lot
3: of... places, huh?
0: For a while it was like the most famous high school, you know, in the world, but you know. They, were, they used to offer tours and stuff. I don't know. They really? You know, yeah, there were so many people, you know, that, that wanted to come see the school. You should have been an extra in it. <laughs> teacher or something. exactly. something. the teacher. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the janitor. <laughs> 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 but, you know, back to Tron. Tron. I saw Tron when I was, speaking of East High School, when I was in school. At, at Eastside, and it blew my mind. I just thought this was like the coolest movie I'd ever seen, and to see it on the big screen. And it was so groundbreaking, you know. In fact, you just kind of couldn't, couldn't believe that what you were seeing, you know, just the, oh, the yeah. way the image and, and the cool electronic music and um and and everything. But and then also, you know, there was a Tron video game that was like in the video arcade.
3: Oh yeah, like an
0: uh, arcade console, like a yeah upright right. So, and that was, the, I remember that, you know, that was my friends and I really liked that a lot too, that Tron game. It was, it was really cool. You play like, uh, light cycles, as I recall, or maybe there was some, maybe, maybe there were some multiple games that you could play oh, within cool. it, but you had, you know, that's like this big giant glowing look, um, it's like this jo- a joystick controller, nice. uh, you know, that kind of like was neat, you know, neon kind of Tron aesthetic, mm-hmm. but Anyway, what a, what a, what a cool, uh, what a cool movie, what a cool experience. And, and, uh, so admired just the, again, the the technology that went into it. Cause I think, I think it had like 15 full minutes of stuff like computer generated imagery, which was a first. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then the whole technique they used to get the, I mean, how they filmed, you know, when they were in the computer world, how they filmed, you know, Jeff Bridges and Bruce box, Boxliner or whatever, Cindy Morgan, et cetera. Uh, they had a had a black background, and then you know filmed them in these kind of white and black suits, right? To so no, the yeah, it wasn't even and... Post post production, right?
3: Yeah,
0: post production, and they went like almost like they animated. You know, they colored.
3: They each did one like of the
0: uh, frames, like backlight <laughs> or backlit compositing. Yeah, they did that bed as backlighting technique.
3: Which... Which is, it's it's layered from what I understand. And you could kind of see it in the film. Like, you could see yes. these kind of interesting layers where they would say, okay, we need a certain exposure for the little circuitry details on the costume that's going to be different than the face exposure. And we need, like, every part of it needed its own kind of layer. Yeah. So it was very, very, you know, like, painstaking, long process. And people were painting these like printouts and stuff. I mean, really cool result, but uh, from from what it from what they say, it was just like huge labor. Yeah, labor intensive, super expensive. I think right to
0: like you just yeah.
3: You got uh, matte paintings, which was a really cool effect. I mean, going way back. Speaking of Twenty Thousand Leagues, uh, uh, Peter Ellen Shaw would do those great matte paintings um, that would go in like the. In between the camera and the the actors, yes, and the, and the scenes, and then they would do. Uh, his son kind of took over yeah, the Harrison. Reign, Harrison, right? Is that. and did a lot for Tron. And it, he had come off of Star Wars, and he had done a lot of. He did a lot for Empire, Empire Strikes Back, um, and uh, I think all three of the original Star Wars. But he he was like a really key person in um, Tron because he like knew all these cool camera effects and like traditional art artistry kind of things and and how to put them together in in camera and post production so really a really impressive film uh technically yeah
0: absolutely and again you know a little teenager stand it just totally blew my mind that was actually quite a summer because if i'm not mistaken just like a couple weeks after Tron came out then Steven Spielberg's ET, the extra terrestrial, oh, no came out, oh, and I man. think that ET kind of blew everything out of the water that summer. You know, that's the movie that everybody really went to. Yeah, and I think Tron kind of got lost in that shuffle, even though I don't know necessarily Tron could have been a, a blockbuster, but it still it was such a unique film that I think still a lot of people could have gone. And plus, it's 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 a fun movie to watch.
3: So you're or, in your high school. Um, did the other students? get excited like that like you did or did your yeah, friends Yeah, you know, I went forth? I went with some friends and I who were also kind of, you know,
0: f- you know, a film nerd, you know, like myself. And yeah, I remember we all really liked it. Like we were all like this is so cool. You know, this movie was You were probably amazing.
3: the age for that, like a high schooler, yeah, like college age, right?
0: age or just cuz it's such a cool adventure, computers were novel, you know. I mean, they were they were
3: uh Oh yeah. And um, computer graphics, like animated life cycle computer graphics. Well,
1: I mean, I was going to say, too, if you're a gamer, if you're a hacker, if you are programmer in the 80s, you know, um, Yeah. And I mean, even since then, I mean, isn't it your ultimate dream to, like, be in the game to be in, like you just that's like what you imagine you know and then it's like so it's just cool that there's a storyline where it's like what if that really happened and what would that be like and I love how it's like you're the user you know like it's like it's just so great you know it's just I love it I, I love that aspect of it you know it's got the 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 programmer inside (laughs) I I was watching
3: some, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. I I was watching some of the kind of interviews from the time, uh, from the people who made it and they go to Disney and and it wasn't like a Disney initiated like idea. Like it didn't originate at Disney. It was like external and they kind of shopped it around and went to Disney. and, And you got all these old guys at Disney going like, yeah, we have no idea what you're talking about. What is this? Going into a computer or you're going into a game. What is this? But they had enough, I don't know. They had enough sense to say, "Okay, this is going to resonate with this generation. This generation, it's um, these these kids are um, familiar with computers. They they see the potential in the computers. They're familiar with video games. They're very popular video games right now. Like it's we're going to be able to reach um, our younger audience that we haven't been able to reach super well in in recent years. I mean, we're talking we're talking the '70s, late '70s. You've got um, uh, these other studios that are really." Um, you mentioned E.T., Star Wars and others, um, really have um, attracted this this age group, like this demographic that that you were, Stan. Yeah. Um, I was born in '80, so I was really little when yeah. it came out. Um, but um luckily Disney, the powers of beast, said, you know what, let's go for it. And they had a lot of people kind of, including Harrison Alan, Shaw. they had Sid Mead and a lot of different people that were like yeah, behind it like okay we're going to champion this we're going to get behind this and we're just going to go for it and i think that passion and that the vision that they were able to catch on to those those influential people um allowed for studio executives to 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 approve it to green light and say you know let's do it yeah
0: so i i don't think it was like a great box office hit you know as i mentioned it really got overshadowed with et and whatnot and maybe too almost too obscure you know to be to be hit. but it's been, I think is as we probably all contest it it's been incredibly influential yeah right
3: the,
1: yeah cult following for sure like yes exactly years. cult yeah. classic
3: for sure yeah. and and it's it's interesting cuz you could almost put it in the same category as Mary Poppins knobs and Broomsticks Song of the South you know, Peace Dra- some Dragon some of these that were combining um, animation with live action characters but yeah. it took it to a whole nother level. Like this isn't just like hand-painted animation, you know, superimposed with an actor, which is impressive in and of itself. But this is like, this is like the future. This is, this is so incredible. Even today, I think a lot of those graphics hold up. Now, you know, it's old, you know, that it's like from the eighties just by looking at it, but it it holds up to where, you're not even sure how they did it. And this is yeah. 40 something years later. You, you look at it and go, I'm not even entirely sure how they pulled that off because I don't think, I don't know. It, it, it's it's just, it's that impressive. I, I I really do think that it holds up um, on a technical level and on like a special effects level. And, it, and it, in some ways it out innovates even the Star Wars um, special effects that are always kind of the standard that everybody um, looks to in, during this time period. Um, yeah. and they innovated a lot, of course, and they, they really, but, but Tron did things that I don't know if have, have ever been done since, like, did they, the, the certain things that people are like, that is so awesome, but I'm not even going to try it because <laughs> exactly. like, that's like, you, you did it well, you did, you mastered it. Good job, Tron. And, and so I that's kind of that, um, it, it, I don't know, it's, it's unique in that way.
0: Yeah yeah definitely definitely a favorite and and uh just you know i just thought I, I i i had to include it that's what,
2: I'm <laughs> what gonna I remember
1: when i was when uh, i was hanging out with my friends as a kid we would all walk if we were ever walking in a line like all of us just side by side walking one of us inevitably would just Quick turn right in front of the other one, like stop in
3: the direction, <laughs> <be> like drop. <laughs> Ninety degree angle, yeah. Oh, oh I love it! It's like your little light cycle.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> awesome.
2: You're dead.
1: <laughs>
3: <That's> so-, <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> but still still so still so fun I'll, I'll tell you guys i'm glad every one of your picks I, I i said to myself oh i'm glad they picked that one i i really am and when i saw tron there i'm like okay now i'm gonna re- i haven't watched it in a while i'm gonna yes. watch it again i'm gonna really get into it and ah, uh, it's just a treat along with all the other ones too so it was good to revisit all nine of these films yeah these have been so great
0: i i i uh Really love and appreciate your all the picks that you brought in. This is this discussion has just been a delight. So thank you both so much.
1: Yeah, thanks for having us. This was fun. And
0: this has just been this has just been a blast. I, I you know too bad we have to end. I want to do nine more.
3: You know,
1: but
0: yeah. It, it will ever. not
3: be hard to come up with nine more. We can do it. I know, if you, All right. If, you, if you're up for it, any other time, I think we would really have a good time. Oh, uh, thanks, friends. This has
0: been a blast. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that does it for this episode of the movies past and present podcast huge thanks again to mitch and lily from imagineering for joining me it was such a blast talking to them links and more information about the movies discussed in today's podcast can be found on the podcast notes on my blog at movies past subscribe to the podcast where you listen to podcasts and follow me on instagram i'm at movies P-A-P, as in past and present As always, I hope you'll enjoy some good movies this week, whether they be from the past or the present. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, be safe out there and dedicate yourself to the truth.